Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasana Motasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasana Motasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Aparuta de Sangamatasatavara ye sodavanta bamunjantu satang. So this is the observance night. We have one more week of this uh, formal winter's retreat. And uh, just uh, observe the, that perception of one week left, a sense of time, and uh, what has passed, and the future is is uh, perception of one week, and go back to a formal, more formal, disciplined uh, retreat. It's good to end the retreat all kind of together, uh, practicing together, because this uh, winter time's been time where many people have been through so many things, both on the, the monastic sangha and the lay support group. Uh, it's a supporting environment. Uh, this sitting in this temple, I really uh, love this temple. I uh, always, it's like a magnet. It pulls me into it. <clears throat> and uh, I find the, generally the atmosphere here, the stillness and the kind of spaciousness, something quite uh, pleasing and supportive to meditation. Establishing mindfulness in the present. Uh, uh, we've in the past week and evenings we've been doing a kind of uh, guided meditation to keep, keep uh, establishing or Noticing the present moment the way it is, both physically, mentally, because uh, meditation then be, is very simple, not a complicated, uh, highly uh, kind of developed system that takes years to accomplish uh, and be able to feel confident that we're practicing in the right way, but it's uh, more uh, the sense of, of really uh, uh, trusting in the moment. It's a simple act of awakened awareness, intuitive awareness. It's not something you, you develop uh, and you get, but it's something you do. Uh, and we're 
the, the thinking mind, of course, makes it complicated. That's what thought does. Thought is a complication. Uh, that's why we 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 are. The more we think and and conceive the world through thought and experience the world through uh, complications of our our thoughts, then of course it it goes on in an endless kind of confused uh, and increasingly complicated network. But the liberation is through the present awareness. It's very simple, ultimate simplicity. And I think this is the this is the Buddha's teaching. Is is uh, you know, is if you read the Abhidhamma, you think it's very complicated. You start out with Abhidhamma, and you, you know the kind of. Uh, Twelve Silvana Jittas and the fifty-two Jeta Sikas and the and the whole list, all the incredible list of conditioned phenomena and so forth. You just think it would take years of study and practice to be able to to get through all that. And most people would be feel they couldn't do it. It's too complicated. You have to be kind of a, a genius to be able to do it. But when you when you get to the, the like the four noble truths, suffering or even simpler than that, suffering and non-suffering. The Buddha taught only two things: suffering and the end of suffering. And so, in, how do we know suffering and the end of suffering? It's only you know it, isn't it? Nobody else can tell you when. When the, what the end of suffering is like, uh, or we all know what suffering is. Suffering is common uh, denominator of humanity. So, so, but the end of suffering is a realization, isn't it? It's, a, it's through awareness that we that we realize non-suffering or the end of suffering. And it's not through trying to get rid of suffering, is it? Not the, 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 the thinking mind is, the logical mind, the, the suffering is something that we've got to get rid of if it's uh, we, something we don't want. Suffering is what we don't want. We don't want to suffer. We want to be happy. And so happiness is what we want. Suffering is what we don't want. But then the realm that we're living in, this sense realm of the physical sense, the physical body, the senses, the earth, fire, water, and air, the four elements, consciousness, uh, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, the brain, uh, the whole lot is like this. It's, you know, how much happiness can you get out of it? Can you find any kind of permanent happiness through uh, through uh, just trying by trying to get rid of suffering and and uh, find happiness in some form? We can have moments of happiness, and then we have we've all been happy, and happiness is not something uh, 
impossible for us to experience, but it, it's not saying we can sustain. It's not saying that you, you can't find it and keep it and and uh, untrust it, because happiness uh, seems to uh, be very fleeting, and then we experience the loss of happiness, and then we 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 want to have it again. We can see, you know, so many of the social problems of the age in in a in an affluent uh, world that we live in. Uh, one of the one of the amazing kind of interesting problems of modern society: drug addiction, which seems to be, you know, seems fairly. Uh, you know, in terms of my experience, drug addiction wasn't really much of a problem when I was young. And when uh, I was in university or in in the military, I don't remember ever being anybody approaching me to uh, trying to sell me drugs. I was in the Navy for four years, went to all the ports in Asia, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Kobe, Sasebo, Yokohama, Osaka, uh, Manila, Hubik Bay, and, and Hawaii, and the west, uh, west coast of the United States. I don't remember once that anyone trying to push drugs on me. Other things, yes, but not drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and and I wasn't particularly you know little goody good type, but drugs were not a problem then. And, and then in the sixties, it all seemed to, at the, the most affluent kind of easygoing time, for many countries like the United States or Britain, Western Europe, suddenly. Drugs became uh, a common experience. Why? Why? Why is that? And because drugs do offer a kind of instant happiness or some kind of sustained sense of intense, uh, exciting or pleasurable experience. And so once you start having those experiences, then you want more. You know, the addiction, happiness is addictive, like sugar, isn't it? You have one taste and you want another. And just in your own meditation, how many of you, uh, you have um, uh, some blissful moments and you want more? You know, and you, so you, you have moments where you feel very blissful and happy and then that makes a, creates a desire to have more of that. You remember it and so you, you're willing to sit through maybe a lot of uh, unpleasant moments in the hope that you'll have another taste, another experience of bliss, uh, hoping that, that uh, this will be your reward for hard work or for determination. So one isn't against happiness, and certainly happiness is something I like personally. I like happiness. Happiness is uh, something I don't mind having a lot of. Uh, I'm not trying to to knock it. 
but just point to the to to that this realm isn't isn't really uh, a realm where happiness is is a kind of continuous ongoing possibility as a, uh, from the ignorant mind. Happiness comes through, you know, a, a more kind of uh, a sustainable happiness, which isn't a high kind of ha-ha uh, uh, state that depends on drugs or particular conditions supporting it, but through understanding, through relinquishing, through understanding suffering and letting, it, letting the causes of suffering letting them go and realizing cessation, niroda, non-attachment, realizing the bliss of non-attachment, the end of suffering, niroda. And so they say nibbana is the highest happiness. And so we think nibbana is, a, is, is higher than, than, than heroin and the rest, isn't it? It's higher than that. They oftentimes they use nirvana, nirvana as a, as a uh, adjective for some kind of drugged out bliss, where you, you you're high as a kite. I think we really was in nirvana last night. But actually, nirvana it, it doesn't mean higher than than that, higher than happiness. It's transcendent. It's that. It's the realization of non-attachment. So the happiness that comes from that is, is, a, is a peaceful kind of happiness. It's the happiness that comes from knowing, understanding, and peacefulness, and contentment. And, and it's that kind of happiness, rather than uh, blissed out type of happiness. When you when you realize the niroda, then you then that becomes that that's the you you know that's the 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 path you do, you develop you be, you you have the insight into the way to experience life within the conditioned world as it is, and the way that you have to bear with it, the way your body is and your mental states happen to arise and cease and so forth. Uh, this doesn't mean you, you, you bypass all that and you kind of get out of it and, 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 and you don't feel anything anymore and you don't ever experience pain or misery or grief or loss or any of that. It means that that you you understand these conditions. You're no longer just helplessly kind of uh, overwhelmed or trying to resist life, trying to control, manipulate, and resist pain and misery, running away, distracting yourself, uh, uh, doing all kinds of things that we do when we don't understand suffering and we don't realize uh, the end of suffering.
So the, the practice is very, very simple. The, the, the empty mind, the pure state of being, like pointing to that. And we've been, we're, in our meditations, we've been just trying to, to awaken you to a very natural state it's, it's not something that you don't have and that is very refined and that you've got to spend years trying to get it and maybe you'll miss out in the long run, that kind of thing. It's, 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 a, it's being patient enough and open enough to recognize that it's, it's not, it's, it's now, it's, it's, ultimate simplicity, not remote and uh, something that only very highly qualified and developed people uh, can, can know only and you with the, all your problems and difficulties and, and uh, psychological complications are so removed from. If you believe that you know, if you tend to hold on to those views, that very clinging to views is the uh, is the uh, is the obstruction. Like what you hold yourself to be, the the self that you you identify with, uh, that and and the and the commitment to that sense of a self, a personality, uh, and 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 really. A holding to that—it's merely it, that is the that is the obstruction. But when you open to that, when you see that, you examine, watch, and listen, you begin to realize all the the, self, the things that you think you are. The the views that you have, you begin to see them in terms of what they really are, the changing conditions, uh, they arise and cease. Once you really observe and accept what you're feeling, feeling is very ephemeral. It has, it has no permanency. And that feeling is kind of, when you're really uh, looking at and, and, and noticing and and uh, embracing feeling is very ephemeral, changing. It has no core to it. Where do you you know? Where's the heart of it? Where's the the real essence? When you look at feeling, experience of feeling, it it is what it is. But it and and all you can say is that it's changing. And then it. Then the feeling ceases. Now the thing that to, to to make the leap from grasping the conditioned realm as your identity to trusting in the pure state of awareness, I found that one of the great challenges of my life. And uh, you see, you know, because if it was interesting being somebody, 
you know, I could get really interested in myself as a person. Uh, and, and uh, you know, because it is, it's interesting to kind of analyze myself and think about myself and figure out why I am like this and, and uh, endlessly kind of uh, take an interest and be fascinated with myself. I've investigated myself from so many different, in so many different ways, uh, and and it is interesting. I'm I'm an interesting self to me, <laughs> and so after a while, it gets you get rather t- tired of it because it goes around in circles. And, uh, you know, no matter how interesting you might be to yourself, uh, after you find yourself thinking the same things and, and, and reacting the same ways, and, and it just goes around and around. So observing that, you know, then they, it becomes clear that, that how do you get out of that trap, the samsara, the, the, the endless cycles of habit, and uh, how do you, is there a way out of it? Because you know, quite willing to to admit things, look at things, uh, examine, uh, analyze, uh, feel, open, uh, all the rest. But then, after you've done all that, You know, it's still it's still stuck with 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 the conditioned world as your as your main experience of life. So then, what is the realization of the unconditioned? And then, then the then the the self. I found like the self view was uh, attending to mistrust. A fear of, uh, because of of uh, the tendency to be critical and see things in very critical ways, see myself uh, in in negative terms, in critical ways. Uh, therefore, there's this fear of of being egotistical, of in, in being inflated, of overestimation. It, it was a a sense of that being honest was honesty meant you were willing to admit your faults. The, this seemed to be uh, the kind of what we, what I meant when I say, "Well, I'll be honest about myself." And then I'd admit, you know, various uh, weaknesses, flaws, defects uh, that that uh, I felt I was being very honest about and straight about. And so the realization of, of, of cessation or nibbana, remember having a real fear of that, of like I don't dare assume that I, that I can actually do that or that I've actually realized that. Because one of the, you know, if you, if one of the Varachika in offense of a monk claims he's He's uh, re- realized these states, and he hasn't. You know, he just kind of 
saying these things in order to to uh, impress the lay community or or exploit the lay people for for his own end. That's a disrobing offense. Then it's a budget offense if you if you go around telling people about your attainments. So that there's a feeling of of uh, almost fear of of this, you know, about uh, you know, even to yourself, because the, there is an assumption that that it is something very kind of difficult and and something that takes years of hard work or. I mean, this is from my, my reflections, I don't know about you, but it's something quite difficult. Oh, very few people have ever done it. And, uh, and therefore, it's, uh, um, it's rare. And that, uh, that uh, therefore, it, thinking like this, it, it makes it all seem uh, that one will never be quite ready for that. Or in Thailand, oftentimes they think it takes lifetimes. They say, you know, it'll be many more lifetimes before I'll ever be enlightened. Uh, and that's one way of, of kind of putting it off, isn't it? But when you investigate the uh, Four Noble Truths, it's not, it's not, it, 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 you realize more and more you're applying it to experience and suffering and the causes, cessation and the path. This is very much the teaching that, that you get from the, from this and from Teachers like Lumpur Buddhadasa, they're they bringing the, the practical side of Buddhism right into daily life, not making it into a very complicated uh, and refined philo philosophy like it can be, can be presented as a very interesting and, and very uh, uh, highly intellectualized philosophy of life. But it's very practical and immediate. And so the, the knowing, is a shift, shift, the shift or the leap from the, the commitment to the conditioned realm as an identity to being aware is, uh, is quite a if you're a thinking person, has a lot of doubts that tends to doubt and and uh, and and love to and, and love to figure everything out. Then it's uh, one gets stuck in, in a kind of um, a kind of dead end of your, one's own thinking, or you get stuck with just just kind of swimming around with the conditions endlessly, without uh, uh, realizing any transcendent or any escape from it. So the, the, the quote in the Udana about the, there is the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned 
So this is, there is, the Buddha made this very clear, there is the unconditioned, unborn, uncreated, unoriginated. That's a very clear statement. And if there was not the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, unoriginated, there would be no escape from the condition, the born, the created, and originated. There wouldn't be any escape. If there is no unconditioned, then there you'd be stuck in samsara forever, going around in the same cycles. But because there is the unborn, uncreated, uh, unconditioned, unoriginated, then there is the escape from the born, the created, the originated, the conditioned. Well, that's very clear. But then I contemplate, well, what is that in terms of now? What is the unconditioned in terms of now? And if I, and if I establish, uh, if I really open to the present moment, like this, this awareness that, that we've been in, been using, it's it's like embracing the present moment. It's, it's like you're you're taking your arms wide out like this. And you're just embracing the whole moment. Nothing excluded. Everything that, that, that is this moment is included. You're not trying to control or, or divide or pick or choose or criticize or analyze it. But open to it, isn't it? What is opening then to the present moment? Well, first you've got to develop the first John, the second John, the third John, the fourth John, then you do the Satipatthana and on and on like that, and you get all tangled up again, isn't it? Because uh, it, it goes on endlessly into complications. And, and there's so many opinions and views about samatha, vipassana techniques. And not that these are wrong, I mean, they're right. <clears throat> But we're still stuck in the conditioned realm, even with the teachings. The conditions are still teachings. Uh, uh, Teachings are still conditions. So then we, what is unconditioned? And so, in this present moment, uh, what, the Say the opening of the heart, this embracing, the sense of of listening, attentive attention, mindfulness, sati, sampajanya, banya, these all in the present moment. Intuitive awareness, a listening, an attentive, an attention in the present. Like you're poised in a state of attention, not trying to understand anything in particular or 
or focused on any particular thing, but just a, 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 an open openness in the present. A, a kind of poised attention. You're, it's like you're just relaxed and, and open and trusting. Because you you, you, your, your thinking mind isn't going to trust this. Because the thinking mind wants, you know, it's caught in, in uh, usually our thinking mind is conditioned through desire. Always trying to get something, find something, or do something. So then, is it like a, the, the thinking mind stops? There's gaps. There's the sound of silence. You hear the, the cosmic hum, the, the, the background humming sound. And you, there's a kind of stopping and an attention. Naturally, when you begin to value that and appreciate that, then and then you're then you you're beginning to say realize the cessation of conditions because whatever you're thinking stops there doesn't it and then whatever emotions you happen to be experiencing kind of the feelings that you're having in the present you're accepting them so you're not you're not trying to uh, Analyze them, or, or, uh, or uh, make anything out of them, so that the even, even emotional uh, states are accepted in that intuitive present moment, and then they, they, they obviously they're not permanent; they cease. So you're seeing that you're realizing cessation, the condition there is. Escape from the condition, because in that state of pure attention is a realization of unconditioned reality. And I find by developing just this one more, it's like it's a timeless, a sense of time. It's like sitting here in the temple. I come in here. And I go, and I and I sit here, and it's timeless. It's like a timeless. It pretty soon, I, my I feel some some kind of uh, fatigue in the body, or some kind of te- uh, discomfortable feelings, uncomfortable feelings. And I look at the clock. And two hours have passed, like that, like nothing's timeless. And when I think of in my restless mind, two hours is like <laughs> when I'm caught in my thinking, in my restless mind, it's, uh, two hours can seem like forever, you know, just putting in, I'm going to sit for two hours. What should I do? Unaponously. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to watch my sensation sweep through my body. 
What time is it? <laughs> Fifty, only 15 minutes have passed. <laughs> I remember, you know, the, when you sit and have a lot of pain in your legs and, and you think, like even half an hour, would, and, you, and you, you, people say, ring the bell in, half, in 30 minutes. Fifteen minutes, okay, after it starts getting uncomfortable, and then you think, my God, it must be half an hour now, and you look, it's only fifteen minutes. <laughs> and all fifteen minutes left, and you, you sit there kind of bearing with, waiting for the bell to ring. When's he going to ring the bell? Look at, it's about time. I think, he's just, I think that the bell ringer is just torturing me. I think he's a kind of sadist that, that is deliberately trying to, to uh, make me miserable. You look at the clock, only five minutes, <laughs> ten more minutes left. And you, so it's like an eternal hell, isn't it? You get five minutes, it's, it's forever. But in that, that emptiness, because it is a timeless state, it's, it's outside of time. It's not, not past, present, or future. So you, it, it, it can be terrifying to, to the emotions because we are very committed to ourselves as a, as a historical personality uh, that is, is very much a creature of time with a past and a future. And, and that so that emotionally we can feel, you know, really almost aversion to timelessness. Because for, for many, especially when you're young, the future is very, you know, where is what you really kind of, you know, look forward to, the future. Everything's going to happen in the future. When you get old, the future, what? Death. But death now, the perception of death for me, isn't, isn't an unpleasant perception. It's like a, to me it's like a, it's just a, it's the perfection of this life. It's the, it's the rather than uh, the kind of dismal end of, a, of me as a person, it's like the completion or the perfection of what began in this life, what had been like this life uh, committed to the practice of the Dhamma. It's like it was, I was born, in the terms of conventional reality, born, and then in, in uh, when I was an adult, 21 years old, became interested in Buddhism, like something in me awakened at 21 to the Dhamma. I was very lucky at 21, isn't it, to have, have that, that opportunity. And then, and then that awakened state, you know, kept me, kind of impelled me to, to go further. And I mean, well, I wasn't enlightened, but it was like an awakening, something in me we woke up at 21, where, where say, before I came across Buddhism, I was pretty much, a, you know, a, a conditioned uh, 
bloke. Just another guy, you know, operating in the same, uh, you know, the momentum of youthful desires and ambitions and ego and vanity. And then something like at 21, coming across Buddhism, something woke up in me at that moment. Then, uh, then the then the opportunities after that, and then becoming a monk and and so forth, practicing, so that the life itself I feel has a kind of perfection to it. Uh, uh, you know, it's not been a, it's been a very uh, a, a blessed kind of life. So I feel about. The, the life of this, this being here, this, this body, this person. But in the, but in the terms of, of, uh, of, the, of the practice, then the realization, say, this, this, this realization of the unconditioned is a natural state, not, not something arcane or, or remote but something here and now and, and, and real, it's reality. But it's like nothing in terms of your emotional habits and the desires, desire body just goes berserk. Desires are always, you know, is that energy looking for something and, and so desires always look, where is the unconditioned? I want to see it. Can you prove it? <laughs> and uh, like God, you know, where is God? You've got to prove to me that God exists. And the, you know, the, the materialistic scientists with his very rational minds, I don't believe in God because you can't prove there's anything called God. Uh, because uh, the the desire to for God is uh, or to to want to get hold of it, make it you know bring it down to where you can actually see it or smell or hear. <clears throat> where in the intuitive moment, isn't it? It is including everything. So. And to, to be able to really rest and to trust in intuitive awareness, they say, is like faith. Because it's, it's, not, you, it's not like you, you can grasp anything to do it, isn't it? There's nothing you can grasp. The more you try even grasp the idea of trusting in the moment uh, prevents it, isn't it? You've got to even let go of the, the idea or the perception of trusting and and relaxing and and opening in the pure state of just doing it now. And so, in this 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 uh, these, these kind of of uh, words mean a lot to me, like like uh, like intuitive awareness.
or the sati, the Pali word sati sampatanya, sati panya, or upamado, heedlessness. Uh, then, like the aparuta desangamatasakaura, the, the gates to the deathless are open. Ye soda vanta bamunjandu satang. Ye soda vanta, a soda vanta is like a listener. Sota is uh, like the, is always is, is connected to the, to the hearing, ability to hear. That's like, like this. Those who can listen, the state of opened attention, and then bamunjandu satang, a kind of release into the trust, or relax into faith, or let go, let go into the present into just the state of attention, attentive awareness. And this attention isn't like military, you know, attention, like that. Achtung. <laughs> Not that. It, it, it is a, it's a sense of, 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 a, of a, a beautiful state of attention, of openness and trust. Not command, not a command uh, from the sergeant major. Then the, then the, then the way to, then from that state of attention, from that natural state of intuitive awareness, how to relate to the conditioned realm? Because the conditioned realm still operates, you know, it's the body's still here, it's still feeling, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, it's all going on still, it doesn't dissolve into thin air, uh, and, and, and uh, it doesn't work anymore. But your relationship to it then is one of, what? like this metta practice. In the metta, I have the unconditioned acceptance, unconditioned love, acceptance of the conditions. So it's not, well, if you, if you don't, if, you, if you're still picking and choosing among the conditions all the time, you're back into the old habits again, you know, trying to get more of this and get rid of that and control this and The, the uh, attitude of the metta then toward the, toward the world, toward the all creatures, towards all mental condition, towards the seen and the unseen. Like they we had Donna given especially for the unseen. And, and that's most, most of the beings. <laughs> and that than the, than the scene. And the, 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 and that applies all to, to, to all mental states that you, that you're experiencing. And the body itself. This physical body and, and all its, 
and, and it's uh, good things and bad things. Metta includes, well, even has metta for the diseases. Or the, the, the things that are not good or, or, or clean or pleasant about the body. Metta doesn't, is not picking and choosing. And then uh, metta, unconditioned acceptance, unconditioned love. It's not, it's not blind kind of stupid kind of everything's just wonderful thing, uh, attitude, but it, it's an attitude, isn't it? That uh, of relating to conditioned phenomena in which you, you can't, you, you're, you're, you're not struggling with it, not being overwhelmed, not taken over, not blinded by the conditioned realm anymore. But we, we, we live with the conditioned realm, we still experience the conditioned realm, but our relationship to it changes from the personal attitude based on the self-view which is very much fear-ridden and desire, fear and desire govern that realm. And then to the state of awareness where fear and desire are also, we have metta for fear and desire. No, we're not trying to get rid of even fear and desire, but uh, Embracing them, opening to them, knowing them, and not being uh, taken over and deluded by them. So, it, and, and so the practice then is through very simple kind of practices, uh, uh, like we're talking about upayas, skillful means, where we, we, we learn how, just in very simple ways, how to accept what we're feeling. Even if, even if we can't accept it totally, just we can accept part of it maybe. It's better than, than just going back into the old resistance mode. I mean, don't despair, even if you can't be as good as you'd like to be or as, as all-loving as you imagine you should be. <laughs> But uh, be grateful for the moments where, where it is like you, you really are able to do that. And to, to then, once you begin to see that you're, the potential and the ease that comes from it, then your, your inclination to that is, that is stronger. You have more trust, more confidence in the practice. And the, the, the momentum of, of our habits is the vipaka kamma and so forth that, that we experience is, is part of it. We aren't, this is not an easy ride, this, this human birth. It's, uh, it's, uh, but it's not a very long time actually. You know, it's, especially where I'm where timelessness is, is more uh, 
realizable. I'm going to be dead in no time. <laughs> Sixty-five years have gone by, and it doesn't seem very long. I still look at some of the young people here, and, and I still forget. Sometimes I forget I'm an old man. I'm, I'm old enough to be their grandfather. Went to one on a chart in this time, and uh, last January, I had a real sense of being a grandfather there. Everybody was so young, and uh, they all looked so young, and uh, and <laughs> and they are. They're all young, most of them, and then and I'm, you know, considerably older than than all of them. Grandfather. But it doesn't seem like I've lived all that long to be anybody's grandfather. Because, it's a, you know, looking back, it's a, a, you know, it realize that time is, is very much an illusion. It's not, not what it seems. And so, therefore, uh, it's not a matter of, of thinking you've got lots of time, but in realizing the timeless reality. And, and then uh, and cultivate the bhavana, this, this, uh, this bhavana, the word bhavana in the Fourth Noble Truth, cultivating or learning to opening, reminding yourself more and more to open to life. Because the path is not a, like a transcendent path that says, goodbye, cruel world, I want nothing more to do with you. It's not a rejection. And say, I'm now above it all. I have no, no more interest in the world and, uh, and uh, I don't care what happens to you or the society or Britain or anything else. Uh, I'm now above it all. It's not like that. <laughs> but it's, it's a real including the world. And the world is embraced the world ceases. You know the world is the world. The loka we do, the epithet of the Buddha, knower of the world. That's not a, not like the word transcendent it does give the impression sometimes of being above it all and, and, no, and no longer, you know, just uh, kind of looking at all as beneath yourself. But that's not how I experience it. It's not, not being above it, but embracing it and no longer being deluded by it. No longer needing it. No longer needing the world. But being able to have metta, have unconditioned love for all creatures, all phenomena, all conditions, which is uh, embracing acceptance uh, and, and loving kindness, compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, upeka, equanimity.
result from that and respond to the to the uh, embracing and the unconditioned loving of all conditioned phenomena. And then the refuge is in the unconditioned. Thus, sharing this with you is an encouraging encouraging uh, practice in this this next week they uh, that uh, you know make determination to use this week uh, to attend the uh, formal sittings the uh, pujas everybody kind of making putting forth that effort as a as a way of of uh, uh, Encouraging yourself and each other, and supporting the the, the communal endeavor, and then see what happens. You know, whatever you feel, be aware of it. If you feel resistant to it, be aware that you don't want to be bothered, or you'd rather be doing something else. So you, you don't like sitting in a group, or you or you don't you feel oppressed by having a fixed schedule, or you feel like you're being pushed, or or manipulated, or whatever way you want, whatever feelings that you happen to have in regards to the formal schedule, fair enough. <laughs> it's all, it's all, it can be seen in terms of the Dhamma. But then the, well, encouraging the, the agreement, of, uh, I think this is generally the, what was decided at the beginning of the retreat, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, it's uh, using, the, 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 say, a, a schedule and a discipline for reflection. I remember how, you know, he's coming waking up in the morning. When I, in Thailand, you, you have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. And I used to wake up at three o'clock and every morning, I, I don't want to wake up. For years. <laughs> Too early for me. And when I did, now I, can, now I wake up at 2.30 every morning. I've gotten so... <laughs> I can hardly sleep past three because it's kind of what they call become uh, come so ordinary for me. But sometimes in the morning, I don't want to come to the morning puja either. They want to stay in my caravan. I can meditate just as well. <laughs> but then I'm determined to come to the puja, so I do. Unless there's some, you know, I'm, not, I'm sick or something. I can't. But uh, just to, uh, but to observe that, uh, because my mind is very good at rationalizing and justifying anything I feel like in the present. I'm an expert. Uh, but in terms of of uh, of, of reflecting on that. 
and uh, and not 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 you know and, and then trusting in yourself to respond in a suitable way <laughs> because it can also one can make oneself feel guilty if you don't do it I have to suffer from guilt also that's the observed guilt well I'm not going to come because I want to feel guilty so I can invest <laughs> investigate guilt this last week <laughs> I'm quite capable of thinking like that <laughs> but the, the important thing is to really uh, is to to to, to uh, open and to observe the result the feeling the the impulse the habit and not not as a, not to criticize it but to say it was like this to feel it to to really feel that feeling to to be let it be really really let it really be conscious And then through that, through the door of consciousness, you can let go. The, the attachments to the conditioned realm are, are relinquished through allowing the condition into consciousness. And because once, once the consciousness is like a mirror, a door, it, it's the way out. You, you're, you're, what you don't allow to be conscious then you, you're always keeping it, holding on to it. But once you allow whatever into consciousness the way it is, then you can actually let it go. It's, 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 it's the door of liberation. <laughs>